the vicious attack on on Salman Rushdie is really really important. It, it's kind of important to me in that I have an interest in this assailant getting the book thrown at him. In other words, I want him in jail for a long time because he didn't just viciously attack Salman Rushdie with a knife. He attacked the whole sense of the freedom to speak in America with that knife. Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. This is where Paul talks about the big stories of the week that have appeared on his website, Common Sense with Paul Jacob, which you can find at thisiscommonsense.org. I don't want to live in a society in which, you know, people are told they're going to be killed if they say the wrong thing, and then are killed or are close to killed. And of course, people are accusing Iran, which, you know, the the Ayatollahs have, uh, you know, have, have put out the fatwa and so on what decades ago um but he has i think lived in fear and and so we do uh as we've mentioned many times that this is commonsense.org we every day have a uh uh a today in freedom today in history so we talk about different events and feature one or or a couple that might have happened on that day and we also have a thought each day which is somebody uh famous or should be famous uh or should be uh infamous saying something that's provocative or interesting or or uh or smart or something and uh of course tim you you got uh someone rushed you up there very quick over the weekend and on sunday we had him saying how to defeat terrorism don't be terrorized don't let fear rule your life, even if you are scared. And, you know, when you think about it, who better to say this? Because he's not saying, I'm fearless. He's saying you cannot let fear rule you. And uh, and actually, I hadn't thought about doing this when I was thought, thinking that I wanted to bring this quote out. But it it ties to something that I I run into again and again. I was uh, one of the commentaries this week. Uh, words not to say uh, or not to use, uh, which was Thursday. Uh, I was on Facebook and commenting, and someone said, "You know, are we gonna are we gonna risk World War Three over Taiwan?" And and weeks ago, I had a a script about China's threats against Taiwan. And I'm uh, in the script. I mentioned, you know, you might as well say, are we, are we going to go to world war three over your mother? Uh, you know, most people love their mother and kind of think they ought to protect their mother or your spouse or your, your kid sister or whatever. Um, and it, it kind of seems like maybe on first blush, well, the whole world incinerated in nuclear war over one person that doesn't seem right until you think about so you you give the threatening party the totalitarians the chinazis the the russians whoever the americans anybody you give them your mother your spouse your kid because you wouldn't want nuclear war and it's the age old you you cannot be allow yourself to be ruled by fear 
and allow the people making threats or even doing horrible terroristic deeds to rule your world because then you lose without a fight and uh and i think uh i think this is this is pretty darn important uh what he's saying and that you know we we may live in a very modern world with lots of gadgets and lots of ways to to fight wars with drones and other things so we don't have to get our our hands dirty uh, but if we think we're entering in a, into a world in which integrity and courage is no longer needed, we are sadly mistaken. Well, we're several minutes into the podcast, and I'm not sure how good our sound has been, so I'm, I'm trepidatious, and we'll see how it goes. You know, we record these things, we're recording this on a Friday night, so later than usual, uh, at least by recent standards. And of course I'm I'm once again uh on the road not home. Now I'm I'm uh I'm I'm not in a hotel. I'm I'm with family so it's 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 a little bit nicer than the usual hotel hookup. But uh but of course I I wasn't smart enough I never am to bring the right equipment and so on. But we have talked a little bit about one of the scripts. A, a couple of them I'm I'm going to just encourage people to go read them. We had one today, survival disallowed, question mark. Um, and it's it's just about the fact that we seem to have a government that doesn't want us to have energy to to fuel our lives and and uh, and and is actively undercutting our country's energy independence and the ability of people to, you know to to live in this world and uh and it doesn't seem it almost seems purposeful as we often talk about and and as we've talked about oftentimes tim and i don't hear enough of this from other places you know we're not always completely unique in in what we're arguing but we're, we're a little bit unique in pointing out that the anarchy that seems to be encouraged and of course that's what was happening i think in the summer of 2020 with the protests that when they turned into riots, they were applauded every bit as much as the the peaceful protest. It's an encouragement of anarchy. And you might think, well, why would the government do that? Well, one reason would be because when there is anarchy in the streets, people are scared and they're looking for strong people with guns and uniforms, and that's government. And so, and, and it's a little weird because it's like the people who are, tearing down the police as if the police is one monolithic you know thing who are tearing down the police who then will lead to a situation in which oh we have to trust the police 110 percent with all you know suspending all of our rights um you know that's that's the kind of whipsaw between stupid and really stupid that i don't think we want to be involved in but i think we are involved in it unfortunately but this piece the survival disallowed uh, that piece also mentions it's going on in Holland as well. Well, I wrote the thing a couple of weeks ago where we talked about what was happening in Holland and and how they seem to be all concerned about uh, you know COVID and and helping the farmers, and then we're just fine with completely undercutting the farmers when it came to climate change. There's a lot that we could talk about here, but a lot of it is very murky. There's a lot of weird stories out there. I mean, I'm trying to follow up on the, the Canada uh, story about the train wrecks that have had fertilizer, that's fertilizer, uh, hauling fertilizer, you know, 
was it 40 some uh, cars of fertilizer just littered all over the tracks you've mentioned that i've seen that nowhere this is months ago i've been told there's more than one and that looks awfully suspicious like it might be sabotage but i haven't heard anything so this is rumors of war and rumors of pestilence and i can see why there's a uptick in interest in the book of revelations there is people People who are atheists are quoting the book of Revelations now. This is this is interesting times. <laughs> it is interesting times. Not sure where to where to where to file that, but uh, maybe yeah. we better just leave the file open. <laughs> yeah, well certainly I don't know anything about this stuff. I just read a newspaper story and then nothing more. I mean, isn't that weird? Yes, that's the no follow up. It 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 the truth is the complete and and it's probably true that in the past we were too trustful of of the press but living at a time in which you feel like you can't do you if you've read three words of a story two of them might not be true um you know it's really you just can't seem to to feel comfortable believing anything they say and people will ask me, you know, well, what what are your trusted media sources? And I'll say none. I mean, there are some that might be slightly more trusted than, than others or a lot more trusted than others. But it just seems like there's so much narrative out there. And, and you know, deciding that this is an issue or not an issue, uh, you know, a, a lot of the problem in the media is what they don't cover. And you can't say they're slanting what they don't cover, but you are slanting the news if you pick to cover and not cover stuff based completely on your narrative. That's the same thing, really. So I, I wanted to mention another piece this week that I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about, but stochastic, which I I learned a new word this week, um, which which is is sort of kind of a random uh thing and that it was connected with terrorism random terrorism which of course is is as we point out sort of what terrorism is is random fear you know across the board but the random malfactor uh which i encourage you to read it this is commonsense.org uh was just talking about the fact that uh Folks now, Matt Walsh is one of the people, and of course Trump in in mentioning uh, different names of of FBI agents who came to Mar-a-Lago, uh, Mar-a-Lago, uh, that that you know that somehow this is they're they're committing acts of violence by what is in in essence doxing, and I think there are you know I think you do have to kind of look at doxing as to what the intent is of people different times. Uh, but I, I, I think there's also a certain amount of, uh, of when, when you are accused of committing some act of violence, because you mentioned that this public official made this public action to me, that's it, it can be doxing, but only in a technical sense, this is not, it's not an act of violence. And this is public information, and it's the sort of thing that needs to be talked about. And maybe we need to spend a little bit more time again saying, you know what? If you take an action that is violent against someone who is an FBI agent who was mentioned or who is a public official who is in the press, we're going to throw the book at you. 
because you're not allowed to go after people and beat them up or threaten them or destroy their property. I mean, part of this is this idea that somehow we're going to shape the way everyone talks and thinks about everything and that that will be easier than just going to the people who punch somebody or spray painted their car or slashed their tire and saying, hey, you're under arrest. And you're going to find out that this is really not a very productive, helpful thing for you to do. It's going to screw up your life, not help your life. Let's make the incentives to where we don't have to spend so much time worrying about every little way that someone talked about something for fear that it'll cause somebody to commit some act of violence. Because everybody out there with any propensity to commit an act of violence is thinking, you know, I don't think I better do that because they will catch me and they will jail me and they will find me. This is like a serious country I live in. But that's, of course, not the way things are working right now. Uh, the uh, stochastic terrorism is a term used by the left to attack people on the right. But the same, it could apply to them just as well. And, and they never allow that. I mean, that's they've not used it themselves in that way. And then they themselves think it's fine, for instance, to literally dox Supreme Court uh, uh, justices and riot or, you know, protest for out, for days outside their homes. And that's not appropriate. That's not even should be. It's not even legal. It's not even legal, but they don't enforce it or haven't. Well, been. I, I have to disagree with you there because I think it I think that law that says you cannot protest outside a Supreme Court justice's house is not constitutional. That they can't, you can't just say, no, there can't be any protests. Now you can enforce, you know, other rules and you could probably do some things that you better not get on their property or we're going to, we're going to slap you with arrest or fine or what have you. But, but I, I don't think though, I don't think those actual laws would hold up. Would they pass muster at the Supreme Court? I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I think even this conservative court would would be very nervous about upholding those laws because it does set them like somehow you can't protest. Now, the other part of that equation to me is when I see someone protesting at someone's house, if that person is involved in, let's say, genocide or or some horrible crime and is somehow getting away with it, well, then maybe I could say, okay, well, then I, I understand. What else can you do? People are dying. You're trying to save the world. And so you have a little sign outside the Supreme Court Justice's house. If that's not what's happening, it just, to me, it's offensive when I see people, the, the stuff in the restaurants where we're going to chase somebody from a restaurant, even if I don't like the person who's been chased from the restaurant, even if I agree with the chasers in a political sense, it's disgusting. It's disgusting behavior. I don't want to live in a society in which people who are on a, the other side of the political issue from me are being harassed and, and pushed out of some restaurant. And, and so I think part of the problem there, I mean, you can pass a law. I don't think it'll pass muster because it doesn't, it's, it's not equal protection. We don't want to set up parts of the government that you can't protest. 
but it should be so politically devastating and counterproductive to the people protesting outside someone's home like that, that they're just smart enough not to do it. And instead, because, and it happens more on the left because you've got the whole media that is on that side. It, it's, I'm not even saying anything controversial. Nobody's even questioning that I'm right. They're on that side. And so, of course, you can burn down the building or you can smash the, the bus stop, you know, glass and, and destroy all kinds of government property because they're going to kind of slough it off that it's no big deal or it's just legitimate protest. They're, they're not going to focus on that. They're going to focus on that you're righteous somehow. And it's a huge problem. I mean, it, it's not like the, the media has gotten that much more liberal, leftist, progressive, commie than they used to be. But I think that they they used to be more attuned to the fact that we're not going to we're not going to highlight bad behavior and pretend it's good. Today, they will highlight bad behavior and pretend it's good. And it's and it, it's not exclusive to the left. The right does it, too. Uh, but. But it it's it's very, very unhelpful. You have two other pieces this week. I like both of the titles, but I don't quite understand now because I've forgotten it. Thoughts on nothingness. That's probably the one you want to talk about most. Is that correct? It is sort of. Um uh but and I was gonna say I, I also wanted we got three more because I want to talk a little bit more about uh uh words not to utter but just just briefly at the at the very end uh words not to utter i can't get that title it was my title remember you tried to change it two or three times and and i just was wed to it and now i can't even remember what it is that's pitiful but let's talk about thoughts on nothingness and and because this is kind of a pet peeve of mine uh so many people in this in this particular piece i'm i consider myself a libertarian People can argue about what that means exactly. So, you know, if someone says, well, I'm that's not a very libertarian position. Okay, I'm not I'm not saying that I I have a book and it says exactly this and I do exactly that. But I see myself as a libertarian. I was national director of the Libertarian Party at at, uh, one point, 1986, 87, I guess it was uh, 88. And uh, and then got involved in the Ron Paul for president ballot drives with the Libertarian Party in 88. Uh, so, you know, I know a little bit of what I speak and I've, I've been involved in the party and I see this again and again in the Libertarian Party. I also see it among conservatives and it is it is an a, an antagonism toward democracy and it, it goes all the way back. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, people would sometimes say, and they still do, it's not a democracy, it's a republic. And of course, that's absolutely true. It is not a, a pure democracy. It's not a, you know, and, and it is a republic. But of course, a republic can be so many different forms of government that it doesn't necessarily tell people exactly what we are when you say we're not a democracy, we're a republic. Because we are a republic in which we have representative democracy. We have some direct democracy. Now, thank goodness, we have the rule of law, at least most of the time. You know, that doesn't always work out perfectly either. That's I'm here to tell you. I don't <laughs> think I need to tell anybody. 
Um, but it, it's good to have those laws. And the truth is, our legal system is more protective of those individual rights than I think about any one legal, any legal system anywhere in the world. So it's it's it it ain't perfect. Needs a lot more work, uh, but it is a something, and and it it shouldn't be sloughed away. And and one of the things that I've noticed is that so often people will talk about democracy as if what people who are talking also talking about democracy mean by it when they advocate it is pure democracy without any respect for individual rights for minorities to do their thing without the majority telling them everything without sort of a totalitarian democracy. And I go to these conferences around the world, global forums on modern direct democracy. I'm, I'm way on the right at those events. You know, most of the folks are much more socialistic, much more progressive oriented folks. Um, but I like them. I like them a lot better than most progressives I run into because they do truly believe in democratic processes and they also truly believe in protections for individual human rights. And so they are not the folks who are going to be taking people's rights away. They're not the folks who are going to say, Hey, let's, you know, you should shut up because, uh, this is the way our society should be run. So, um, and and this particular piece uh, was off of a meme I saw on Facebook. Uh, uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, who wrote uh, uh, "Democracy: The God That Failed," it's a book that kind of suggests that maybe monarchy is is more pro liberty than democracy. I think it's kind of a silly. I haven't read the book, so I I, I will say that right off the bat. But I've heard a lot of these arguments, and I hear them from conservatives sometimes. I hear them from libertarians, and it, it, I think it's a misunderstanding of what people are talking about when they're talking about democracy. And yes, it's true that a democracy where two wolves and a and a lamb argue about what to have for dinner is not a good system. And sometimes our system does kind of devolve into into that or something darn close to that and that's not good and and just because the majority votes for something doesn't mean that it's that it's moral and that it's great and that it's it's fair but the libertarian party had a comment on this meme of a quote from uh hans herman hoppy where they said democracy has nothing to do with liberty and uh, I thought, I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, almost anybody, even people who who trash democracy fairly often, recognize it has some connection. One, the countries in the world that are pro-democratic, that use democratic processes, are just noticeably, obviously freer. It's also true that the countries that use democratic processes are more attuned to protecting individual human rights. And so, you know, you, it it seems to me, I, I don't know who libertarians are trying to reach out to here with this sort of rhetoric, with kind of highlighting the dangers of democracy, and, and not that there aren't some, and that they shouldn't be highlighted, 
but it's like the focus is so completely distorted and perverted. Uh, I don't know who is is, is going to find that very attractive. And of course, as I ended the piece, you know, it's uh, so what are you saying? Don't vote libertarian this November. I mean, because libertarians have been using democratic processes. That's what the libertarian party is all about. That's what the purpose of a, of, a, of any political party. I mean, if they didn't want to be involved in democracy, you wouldn't form a political party and be under the under the thumb of the FEC. You form some private group and talk about your ideas. So it it and I of course I suggested uh, which was actually a, a good suggestion. You had Tim as I sent you the piece that you know maybe maybe we should just take that under advisement because we might want to vote for a libertarian not every libertarian wrote to comment on that that one meme but this this is a it's something i hear a lot from republicans a lot from libertarians uh democracy is a net positive and uh and it it it's something that people using democracy if you don't believe in it get out of the process Part of the meme was that no great thinkers have believed that, or all these great thinkers have disbelieved in democracy, and there's not anything to do, anything to do with liberty, except that Aristotle, the greatest thinker of all time by nearly every standard, <laughs> associated point blank democracy with liberty. Now he wasn't, he didn't like democracy; he hated democracy, or if not hated, he didn't trust it. I mean, after all, democracy killed his um, his hero Socrates, and he had to flee the country. He quickly saw ways that democracy needed to be controlled. You know, there's all these really strange uh, debates about democracy, Athenian democracy. That, you know, the founding fathers didn't like Athenian democracy. Yet we're probably more democratic in some ways than Athenian democracy is was because more people vote or can't may vote in, in modern America than they could in Athens. So that would seem to be more democratic. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of things that play. But as you were saying, a democracy doesn't make any sense if majority rules means the liquidation of of minorities. And every democracy has always known that there were limits to the power of the state and they had to be built into the system somehow. That was just understood. And unfortunately, it's not understood well by libertarian theorists who don't really aren't really interested in the mechanisms right. because they think they have better mechanisms and they may be right, but those mechanisms have never been tried. Well, some of the ones that, that the radicals of the libertarian party talk about, uh, we're probably not going to get uh, private security agencies everywhere quickly. So it's kind of, right. kind of a right. neat point in some ways. Anyway, I wanted to, to talk a, a little bit too about, uh, our, our, uh, I guess this was Monday, the natural immunity, we need not a whole lot to say other than go and, and read the script. But what this is about is the fact that the CDC, which is the, you know, the, the great medical God in the sky or something, uh, you know, who is, has been telling us all their knowledge and helping us follow the science for the last few years has pretty much come out and acknowledge that their view of the science was way off and uh and and we use this particular piece to point out that uh they they didn't appreciate 
the natural immunity uh, that that people got uh, from having COVID and stuff, and everything was some way that you know we could mask people or control them this way or vaccines or whatever to to you know to micromanage or or macromanage uh, society in such a way that they were solving all the problems and ignoring the natural immunity that people get from disease, which is what a lot of these changes are, are acknowledging. But there's also, uh, as we ended this piece, I guess, the natural immunity we need to encourage most is skepticism toward government bureaucrats and big pharma flax. And, and, without any science knowledge, any medical knowledge whatsoever, you could look at this situation from a political science standpoint and realize we're not going to get good outcomes when we aren't paying attention to, to you know, the, the, the self-interest, the oligarchy, uh, of the, the medical establishment and, and uh, their connection with government, uh, bad things are going to happen. And this is, this is the, the natural immunity to that is to limit the power of government bureaucrats and limit their power to do what Big Pharma suggests, whispers in their, their ear they do. On that note, we could end the podcast. Well, I wanted to say one other thing. People are crying out there. I thought Paul was going to say one other thing. And so there's just tears streaming down their faces that you were going to cut them off that moment too soon. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention about words not to use. Uh, encourage you to go read this piece. Um, but it's about the Chinese ambassador to Australia. And in... A, he gives a talk and there's questions afterwards. And he, he first mentions that, you know, he'd, he'd really rather they not use the word invasion when they discuss what China has threatened to do to Taiwan, which, of course, is to invade. So why they wouldn't use that word is, is kind of funny. Uh, and then also suggests that re-education is a word because it was suggested by the French and uh, the Chinese ambassador to France that they would do re-education in Taiwan after they invade, kill a million, two, six million people, destroy a lot of stuff. Then they'll have their re-education process. And a reporter in Australia, and there were several questions asked that were pointed that showed that there was like a, a press, a functioning fourth estate in Australia. Surprise, surprise. And uh, and asked him, is this, you know, are you going to have a re-education campaign in Taiwan? And the Chinese ambassador said he really preferred not to use that word. And I just want to take two seconds to say, as we said in this piece, words scare totalitarian thugs they scare the dickens out of them free speech a press that is asking tough questions china wants everyone to shut up about it and there's a simple reason because if people know about this and it's in front of them they are not gonna countenance it 
And and so, you know, democracy does die in in darkness, the darkness of people not speaking up against uh, uh, tyranny. And so this is just a it's just uh, another uh, uh, pitch. Let's speak up and and call a tyrant a tyrant because it is sometimes the most powerful weapon against them. Okay, that sounds like a great place to end. Even better. And this way, people can, they can wipe their tears. They're, you know, I think, I think we've come full circle here. Very good. 